But anyways, I just want to say good morning uh, off campus. It's so nice of you guys to join us. For some of you might not recognize my face, you don't see me very often. So I am Miss Margaret. I am the Children's Program Director here at Freedom. And you don't see me because I'm usually next door hanging out with our amazing Freedom kids. I just, parents, I don't get to like do this very often. So I just want to say to the parents, our, your kids are amazing. They're such great kids. They're such, they have such a heart for Jesus. It's a pleasure and an honor to serve them. And you guys are doing a great job. So to the parents that don't always get like recognition, that's for you guys. So some of you might know this about me and some of you might not. I am, I've actually been working towards getting my credentials through the PAOC. So I have to take a couple Bible college courses to kind of fill in some courses that I didn't get through the Bible college that I went to here in town. So I I'm happy to say that I have received my entry-level credentials. That was a big undertaking for me, so I have received those, but now I'm just working kind of towards the next level, which requires a couple of courses, and usually my courses all require me to do something like this, which I totally forgot to give you the papers to fill out while I'm standing here, Pastor Tracy, so we'll just do it later. Yeah, oh, the live stream, okay, perfect, it's all good, it's all good. Pastor Tracy, or Pastor Aaron did it for me last summer. It's really simple. Anyways, I forgot them. I just realized it now. It's all right. It's all good. Um, so this is the practical part of the test I have to share, um, and I'm honored to do that today. It's getting a little bit easier every time I get up here. I'm a little less nervous, a little bit more confident, practice speaking slower. Um, <laughs> I have a very, I've had a very captive audience this morning. I've been house-sitting a dog named Teddy, and so Teddy literally just sits there and stares at me. So he's very captive and he's very like, yes, like he's just, his eyes are just like listening to me. I think Teddy's been saved. I'm going <laughs> to, anyway, that's what I'm going to tell myself anyways. So, but it's been a lot of fun. I'm not a big pet person, so it's been kind of fun to spend some time uh, hanging out with him this week. So as Pastor Tracy already had mentioned, we have been talking uh, about, uh, we've been in a series called Call and Answer and we've been talking about Habakkuk. Um, and we heard about how Habakkuk complained to God, questioned God, and he waited for God over the last three weeks. So this morning, we're going to switch our focus, and we are going to look at various people in the Bible and the situations that they faced in the Old Testament leading to the New Testament. So we're going we're gonna to do a little bit of jumping around this morning, so get ready. So for all of us, there is a moment in our lives when we need to be rescued. Whether we need rescuing from physical danger trouble of the mind, healing of the body, or just from trial and circumstances, it's a proven fact that we all need to be rescued. I'm sure all of you right now can think of a situation in your life where you needed God or somebody else to come in and rescue you. I'll tell you a quick story. Some of you may have heard this, so just bear with me. I was in high school. It was great. Uh, my OAC year, we had our youth conferences at the church that I grew up going to out in Banff, Alberta. So when you go to Banff, Alberta, you go skiing, okay? I've skied Chicopee. That's about the extent of my skiing. But my friends are like, we're going to go skiing. Come skiing with us. We've got skis and whatever. So I'm like trying to be super confident. I'm like walking through the airport carrying my own skis. I brought my own skis. Like that's like, so everybody's like, whoa, she must like know what she's doing. They don't know what's going to happen. So anyways, we get to the ski hill. We're like Lake Louise. I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of Lake Louise or have, ever, have any of you have ever been out there skiing. It took me, they took me up three chairlifts. Okay, I did one run down the bunny hill. I was like, okay, I'm feeling pretty confident. Three chairlifts later, we get to the top, and I'm looking down, and I'm like, what have I just done? <laughs> I'm like, there's like this small little path to stay on. This side takes me into the forest. This side takes me into rocks and death. <laughs> 
okay, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try this. So I, I did about like three swooshes and I was like, no, I couldn't do it. Took my skis off, walked down the next one. Get to the next part of the ski hill. It's even worse. <laughs> I was like, it's it, I'm done. I like panicked. I sat down. I was like weeping. I was crying. The snow patrol had to come and escort me out. <laughs> yeah, I had to be escorted out of Lake Louise Ski Hill by the snow patrol. So there I was. That, was the, that is the, probably the most scary time in my life. I was less nervous to go to like Honduras in a country that was like, had some political unrest and I didn't know what was going to happen when I landed. I was more nervous about the skiing than that. So that's kind of, that is my story of being rescued. So you guys can also probably think of many that you've had, but, and over the years, there have been so many people that have a courageous spirit defying all odds to rescue those who need saving. There are so many books and movies that are full of heroes in numerous stories that resonate in the heart of all that is good, describing how people need to be rescued. And so just off the top of my head, I think of the Lord of the Rings. I'm sure how many of you have seen the Lord of the Rings? Most of the people, maybe not. There's a little context, but in the, so in the Lord of the Rings, we have this little guy named Frodo. He's a hobbit. He's probably like, maybe my waist. He has no training. He's just like a hobbit. Maybe he farms, has his garden. He has no training to go into battle or go to war or anything, but he is called to save Middle-earth. So he has this job. I think we've got a picture. There he is with the ring. That's like the moment before he like drops that ring for those of you that have seen it. He has this calling, but Frodo wasn't able to do this on his own. So we're going to go to a little video clip here. If you have your, I, I don't bring a tissue up here, but this clip always gets me. This is a very iconic clip from the movie. So we'll go to that clip and we'll see how Frodo needed some help.
anybody else get the, the goosebumps? Every time, I've seen the movie a thousand times, I know exactly what's going to happen next, but every time it's exactly the same. So in the movie, The Lord of the Rings, Frodo and Sam are together, most of the movie, and at this point, Frodo can't go on. He was exhausted that the power of the ring is just taking its toll on him, and he is not able to continue. But Sam decided that that's not going to be the end for him. He picked him up and he carried him. We couldn't walk anymore. Without Sam, Frodo could not have accomplished his goal. So we also have in this movie, Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Rings. This is the group that was also called together to help Frodo as well. And in one way or another, eventually over time, over throughout the series, they did help to save Middle Earth in some way or another. So this is just one example from a movie. I'm sure as you're sitting there, you can probably, I could have listed like 10 or 15, even right now I could probably come up with a bunch. But that's kind of the point of where we're kind of going to go today. So Frodo and the Fellowship rescued Middle Earth. If we look at the definition of rescue, it means to save temporarily. And it's great that we can be saved from difficulties and uh, that we, then trials that we face. But what is even better than being rescued is being redeemed. Yeah. When we are redeemed, it means that we are rescued for life, not just temporarily from one specific situation, but for our entire life. And in the Bible, this role of a redeemer was a role an actual person fulfilled. They were called the kinsman redeemer, or in some translation, they'll call them the guardian redeemer. It just depends on uh, what translation you're looking at. But the kinsman redeemer is a male relative who, according to various laws of the Pentateuch, had the privilege or the responsibility to act on behalf of a relative who was in trouble, danger, or who was in need. So there's lots of examples in the Old Testament that we can see of a kinsman redeemer, and I know that probably most of you right now are jumping to the book of Ruth. So if you would like to turn with me, we're going to kind of go through Ruth. I'm not going to read the entire book, but if you want to, uh, you can hit version, or you can grab a pew Bible in front of you there, and you can kind of follow along as we go through the story of Ruth. So the book of Ruth is about Naomi, a woman who had, who had to flee her hometown of Bethlehem during a famine and move her whole family to Moab. During her time in Moab, both her sons were married and they tragically died along with her husband. Naomi is now left alone with, two, with her two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah, and they have nowhere to go. Naomi tries to encourage and convince her daughters to return to their families, and Orpah goes, but Ruth decides to stay with her, and she says to her mother-in-law, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. At this point, Naomi and Ruth decide they're going to travel back to Bethlehem together. Once they're back in Bethlehem, the people start to recognize Naomi, but she tells them, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, because the Lord Almighty has made my life bitter. I went away full, but I have come back empty." There's definitely some pain in these words that Ruth is speaking. She has faced the loss of not only her husband, but of both her sons as well. Ruth was not directly calling out to God at this moment, but God heard her words, and he knew the pain and the suffering that she faced. And he had a plan for her, for not only for her, but for her daughter-in-law, Ruth, as well. So as we move along in Ruth and Naomi's story, we find that Ruth has started working in a field belonging to a man named Boaz. Boaz notices Ruth, and he invites her to come and eat with his harvesters, and he lets her continue working in his fields with her, with his men. And he also instructs the men to leave some of the grain behind for her to collect as well. 
excuse me. So, and it turns out that we find out now that Boaz is actually a relative of Naomi's. And this is where we start to see the role of the kinsman redeemer. And if you're following along in the book of Ruth, we see this idea come into play in Ruth chapter 2, verse 20, where it says, The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is our guardian redeemer. In chapter 3, we then see Ruth go to Boaz, who is staying the night on the threshing floor. And Boaz asks, who are you? I am your servant, she says. Spread the corner of your garment over me. Since you are a guardian redeemer of our family, the Lord and Boaz said to her, the Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, do not be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know you are a woman of noble character. So Boaz is a really respectable man, and he knows that there's actually another next of kin who would be a more suitable kinsman redeemer for Ruth. So the very next morning, Boaz goes to the elders, and he shares this discovery, and the other, kins the other relative decides not to take on the responsibility of Ruth and Naomi. So Boaz makes the decision to step in as her kinsman redeemer, and he marries her. So this action has now not only saved Ruth from a life of poverty and despair, but it has also saved the life of Naomi. In the story of Ruth and Naomi, their future didn't look very promising. They had nowhere to go, they had no one to support them. And God knew this, and he knew their hearts, and he knew that all they had suffered. So he sent Boaz to be their kinsman redeemer. Boaz saved the two women from what would have been a horrible life. He provided for their needs, he was, became their protect, and their protector. Unfortunately, during the time of Ruth and Naomi, because of their situation in life, they had no place in society. They, without a male relative, they would have been destined to live a life of poverty, and they would be considered nobodies. They would have just been left to the side. They couldn't get welfare or financial aid from a government. They would just have to fend for themselves. So out of Naomi's misery and out of her despair, God sent Boaz to redeem her and Ruth. This changed both of their lives forever. And when the women from town now saw Naomi, they said, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. Sorry. It's my allergies. I get a little <laughs> for my allergies. So now we're going to do a little bit more backtracking, because now that we understand the role of the kinsman redeemer, but Boaz was not the only example in the Bible. There are a few other very important people that we need to look at right now. The first one is God. Um, the, uh, God was the kinsman redeemer to his chosen people, the Israelites. Throughout the Old Testament, there are many examples of how God stepped in to save his people. It starts with Noah and his family being saved from the great flood because of, their because of their faithfulness. Then we can move on to Abraham and Isaac. God stepped in, sent the ram to be sacrificed to save Isaac's life. And then God is also with Joseph in his time of slavery, and eventually he does help him rise to the position that Joseph had in Pharaoh's court. In the example of Abraham, Noah, and Joseph, there's no specific moment that we see in Scripture where they are actually calling out to God, but because we know they are men of God and because we know they had a relationship, we can safely assume that there were many points where they were like, Lord, help me, Lord, tell me what to do, where, uh, what, what is the next thing for me? Uh, and in Gen uh, sorry. So we can say, yeah, I jumped ahead, sorry. 
I should never stray from my notes. That's what I should never do. Uh, So the next group of people that we come across are the Israelites. God provided for the Israelites time after time, from the moment he heard their cries while they were in Egypt to the time that he delivered them to the promised land 40 years later. He He also offered them protection anytime the Israelites had to face battle. Once the Israelites reached the promised land, he continued to save his chosen people and to protect them in any way that they needed, making making him their personal kinsman redeemer. So I could keep going with uh, more examples from the Bible. We've got David, you've got all the judges, but we don't have time and I don't have snacks. So I don't want you guys to get hungry. So we're just going to keep moving along here. (laughs) We're going to, we're going to jump into the, no snacks. I'm sorry. Should I bring snacks? Always? Okay, next time. Next, next summer, I will bring you snacks. <laughs> so right now we're going to jump ahead to the New Testament, where we are introduced to another example of the kinsman redeemer who was not just sent to save two women or a single nation, but he was sent to save us all. And if we were in kids' church right now, I would yell out to, I would ask all of you, who was sent to save us all? And you would all say, Jesus. oh, come on. You guys can be way louder than the kids. Let's try that one more time. Who was sent to save us? There we go. I'll have to ask the kids if they could hear you. That's like the game we like to play. Like, can the parents hear us when we're in kids' church? It's a game we like to play. (laughs) God sent Jesus into the world to save us from our sins, and we are lost without him. Our lives would be empty, and we would have no one to take care of us and protect us from the evil of this world. Just like Ruth and Naomi had no one to protect and provide for them. Jesus will provide all that we need. All we have to do is believe in who he is and what he came to do for us. His mission in life was to come and die on the cross so that we would be forgiven of our sins and have eternal life through him. For most of Jesus' ministry, we see him teaching and healing the average everyday person. Jesus didn't just come to save the wealthy or the powerful. He came to save all. And in Romans 10, chapter 13, it says this, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Ruth and Naomi had to trust that Boaz would step up and save them from their situation. We as Christians today need to do the same when it comes to Jesus. We need to trust that Jesus will fulfill what he has promised in his word. John chapter 5 verse 24 tells believers, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. This gives us the confidence that Jesus will not only save us from difficult situations, but save us from death. And I think back to that video clip of Sam carrying Frodo up Mount Doom, and I, I envision that's what Jesus does for us. When we're struggling, when we're facing impossible situations, when we just don't know what to do anymore, I just envision him scooping us up and carrying us and walking us through those situations that we think are impossible. The kinsman redeemer for the Israelites is God, who brought them from a time of slavery in Egypt through to entering the promised land. For Ruth and Naomi, the kinsman redeemer was Boaz, who protected them from an uncertain future and gave them a respectable standing in society. For us today, Jesus is our definitive kinsman redeemer, coming to earth, paying the ultimate price, giving his life as a sacrifice so that our sins can be forgiven. Not only did Jesus rescue every person who has received this gift of his salvation, but he has delivered his creation from a life of eternal death to become, from a life of eternal death to eternal life to become the ultimate kinsman redeemer. And the amazing thing about all of this is that we 
All we need to do is call out to him. Just call out to Jesus. He cares about every situation that we face, whether good or bad. He wants to hear our complaints. He wants to hear our hopes. He wants to hear our, our dreams. He wants to be part of our struggles. Everything that Jesus has for us is good, but we need to take the first step and call out to him and ask his forgiveness for all the wrong that we have done. And when we do this, he answers us by redeeming us and accepting us into his family. But that is not where this ends for everybody, for us. Once we decide to accept Jesus, he gives us the Holy Spirit to help us, to help us face all the situations that good, bad, ugly, all those situations, we have the Holy Spirit with us. We will always have someone by our side. I won't lie, and many of you can contest to this, there's always going to be difficult situations that we face. There's always going to be challenges and trials. But the promise of eternal life outweighs anything else that we face. Having that promise is what we need to cling to. So I'm not sure where everybody in the room is here today or where you are online, but if you have not ever decided to follow Jesus, sorry, I jumped ahead. I apologize. So we're going to actually take some time. We're going to move into um, a time of prayer and reflection. Um, I want you to take some time while we're singing and we're praying and ask yourself where you are today. Have you decided to follow Jesus for the rest of your life? If you have not, what is it that's holding you back? If you've chosen to follow Jesus and accepted him as your savior, what was it that drew you to him? What are some of the amazing things that he has done in your life? If you're struggling and you're facing a situation that seems impossible, call out and keep calling out to Jesus. He is there and he is listening. So over the next few minutes, uh, Pastor Tracy and the team is gonna sing and I want you to take some time and reflect on where you are in your walk with Jesus today. If you're struggling and you would like prayer, please, you can come and stand along the front here and somebody would be, like along the front of the chairs, somebody would love to come and pray with you. If you've been battling with the decision to choose Jesus and you feel like today is the day to take that step, again, come to the front. We would love to pray with you. If things are good in life right now and you are like so thankful for all that God has done, use the rest of the the altar here and just come and praise God and thank him for all the things that he has done. We're all in different places in our faith and in our walk with Jesus, but we all have one thing in common. Jesus was sent to be our redeemer and our rescuer. So I invite you to come, take some time and reflect on the things that Jesus has done. If you have any prayer requests, we have lots of people who would love to come and pray and join with you and support you.